I'm Stina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to Two Girls Watch TV. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Two Girls Watch TV. I'm Danielle. And I'm Stina. Danielle, what is your opening? Today, I I got the opener because I got the inside scoop. So, uh, today we are doing a film that's also a musical, but Mm -hmm. it is directed by a veteran on this podcast Mm -hmm. who is Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yes. I know him. You know him. We all know him. Oh, yeah. Good old Lynn. Lynn. Uh, New York's own. Lynn Manuel. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I was talking to uh, my friend Janelle about what we were doing, and I mentioned we were talking about the Oscar nominations, and she mentioned to me that Lynn Manuel Miranda it has his has an opportunity, this Oscar uh, show, to become an EGOT. Do you know what an EGOT is? I do. Yeah. Because he is nominated for um, Best Original Song for Encanto, which he did the song for. So he already has an Emmy, a Grammy, and a Tony. So all he needs is the Oscar, and then he will be a formal EGOT. He wasn't nominated for Best Director? No, he was not nominated for Best Director. Okay. Which, I don't know about that one, but... Oh. <laughs> I don't know. You, you caught his cameo in this, right? Yes, he was uh, uh, the cook. He was a chef in the back. He, he always has to insert himself. He did that in In the Heights, too. He did. Yeah. He did. He was the snow, snow cone man. Yeah. we. I mean, we've done a few. Every time I feel... Every time we've done a musical on this podcast, it's been with Lynn Manuel Miranda. Well, we did. What did we do? We did Hamilton. Hamilton. We did In the Heights. In the Heights, and now we're doing Tick Tick, tick, tick Boom. boom. <laughs> Sorry. The, the next one is hopefully West Side Story, which he's not involved in, and it's going to be our first musical that he's not involved in. I don't even want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I still do. Okay, we'll do it. Okay. So <laughs> I thought that that was very exciting for our friend, Lin-Manuel. That is. Yeah. You know who? So we'll see. Who, when you think of an EGOT, who comes to mind? Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, heck yes. Me too. <laughs> Me and, too. She's the first person that I think of. But is Elton John? I don't know if he is. I thought Audrey Hepburn was an EGOT. It's a very select group of people. It is. And for the most part, I feel like it's writers that wind up being EGOTs, like secret EGOTs, because they're in the background. Secret (laughs) EGOTs. I only know about an EGOT from watching 30 Rock because Tracy Jordan tries to be an EGOT and he almost steals one of Whoopi's awards. Wait, is Mel Brooks an EGOT? Yes. He is. I thought so. Yes. Um, who else that we would... Andrew Lloyd Webber. Okay. Uh, Audrey Hepburn is. Thought so. Ellen Menken. 
Don't know who that is. He's a composer. Okay. Producer. John Legend. Yes, John Legend is an EGOT. I forgot about that. I don't know if you're going to know any of these other people. Yeah, they're, they're sneaky EGOTs. Sneaky EGOTs. I don't know why that's so fun to say. It is. I want Adele to be an EGOT, but I don't know about that. Who else could be, like, a really good EGOT? I wish it would give me a list of who's close. <laughs> no, give us, give us the, uh, the 75 percenters. I bet you I could Google it. Who is close to being to an EGOT? EGOT? Um, I bet you Elton John's close. I feel like he has to be. He's got to be so close. I mean, he, ha- he definitely has a Grammy. Um, Tony, do you think he got a Tony for Billy Elliot? I want to say that he did. I'm going to say yes. Um, and then Emmy, uh, I don't know. He would probably do. You know who should be an EGOT? I'm sorry, just completely <laughs> glazed over Elton. Dolly Parton. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I could see Dolly as an EGOT. She just needs to get on, on Broadway. Do a one-woman show. Why three out... This article is titled, Three Out of Four Ain't Bad. (laughs) It's not bad, to be honest. Yeah, Lin-Manuel Miranda is... That's correct. Um, I think Cher? Okay, I I could see Cher. Why is this not working? Ooh, this is so frustrating. Wow, I hate this website. What is this? Entertainment Weekly sucks as a website. Ooh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> I like how you're saying that because it doesn't actually sound frustrating when you say it. It sounds like you're excited about something like, ooh. Instead, you're like, ooh, this is annoying me, grr. Um, because then I'll just start screaming. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we don't want that. That's not good podcast material. Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. I- I'm sure, even though some podcasts are definitely just people screaming. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Barbra Streisand? Yes, Barbra Streisand. Okay, I can definitely see that. What is she missing? I don't know. Why can't I click on this? I want to say she has an Ooh, Oscar. I don't like it. <laughs> I want to say she has an Oscar, a Tony, and a Grammy. She's probably missing the Emmy. Get that woman on television, man. Well, oh, no, because Funny Girl, mm-mm, I don't think it was a, mm-mm. What? I was going to say because Funny Girl, but I think it was only a Broadway musical. I don't think it was ever like like a movie for TV. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I feel you like know? if she, she did, was if she Funny did, Girl. If she did a movie, it's going to be like a, a movie, like a, like a big Big movie theater movie. Kate Winslet needs a Tony. Ooh. she's So she's got an Emmy. A, she has a Grammy? This says, if she ever takes home a Tony, Winslet will win it all. What the heck did she ha- get a Grammy for? I didn't know she sang. So Now I'm like running through the her filmography and thinking like, what did she sing in? I was thinking, was she in Moulin Rouge? But that's... Um, that's our girl, um, oh my god, Nicole Kidman, oi, oi, put me in yes. bed. <laughs> this is going to be a rough episode. Good. <laughs> well, let's quit while we're ahead. Okay. Let's talk about- And this website is absolutely infuriating, so I, I can't, I cannot do it any longer. <laughs> I'm like a parking meter, the time has expired. Okay. We're done. 
So, Christina, what are we talking about today? Tick, tick, boom! <laughs> I can't, I can't not say it that way. It's just, it's a thing now. Um, I do have a question for you about tick, tick, boom. Boom, yes. What was your Instagram story about? Or do I have to wait till your highs and lows to try to figure it out? I, you don't have to. We could just give it away right now. I was just like very much invested from beginning to end. So that was an invested face because I was like, is this a I'm invested face or I'm an awe face? Both. Okay. Okay. I thought it was at a specific scene where we think that a character is going to die. And I was watching it like, oh, are they about to kill this character right now? Is that let's, going to happen? All right, let's get into it. Get into it. <laughs> all right, so Tick, Tick, Boom is available on Netflix and it's rated PG-13. It is a Netflix original. Oh, gee, and while you tell them the awards, I'm going to plug in my computer because I'm dying. Oh, <laughs> you are dying along with the computer? Yes, we go together. <laughs> we go together there like Ramallah. When the, um, side note, asterisk, we should do Grease on this podcast. Okay, that's all I have to say about that. Okay. So, as far as nominations go, and Andy Garfield was a winner for Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. And this was nominated for Best Picture, Musical, or Comedy. At the Academy Awards, Andrew Garfield is also nominated for Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role. And this is nominated for Best Achievement in Film Editing. It is not nominated for Best Picture, which swap out Power of the Dog for this movie. I feel like that would be a lot better. Thank you. Okay. Well, based off of our conversation last week, I thought I was in the wrong, but it seems like we're on the same page. <laughs> Why did you think you were in the wrong? I don't know. Because that's, like I, that's sort of your... Hard. That's how you always go. You just constantly think that you're in the wrong. Oh yeah, hundred percent of the. You know what? If I assume it, it's like less of an issue, right? Because I already know I'm there. Um, no, Power of the Dog. I'm I'm fine with never watching that movie again. This movie I'd watch again. I almost I almost wanted to give Power of the Dog the benefit of the doubt, and I was gonna watch it again, and then I was like, but I don't have time no. for this. No. Um, so. I, I also felt the need today to turn on some of Rent because, you know, you just got to watch some of Rent while after watching this. Oh, it's so clear to me that I, I so I didn't really know about Tick, Tick, Boom. I knew that Jonathan Larson made something before Rent, but I didn't know what it was. But my God, does he have a type, you know, with yeah. the music? Because yeah. as I'm listening to this whole thing and the back of my head is all, all I hear is we're not gonna pay same we're not gonna pay yeah that's all I hear same same um before we get into this just really quick did you were you a big rent fan because I knew so many people who were huge rent fans when it came out because that came out right when we were how old like in like fifth sixth grade I want to say or was I it, feel like it came out in the 90s. Rent? The movie I'm talking about. Oh, Rent the oh, movie. Oh, 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 The The play was out early, but when we were... The, excuse me. Excuse me. The musical. No. The rock opera. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know when Jonathan is like changing your, your, your? <laughs> That's mm -hmm. literally what we did, but going back and forth. <laughs> 
I'm so same wavelength. It's fantastic. Rent the Rock Opera, the movie, came out in our adolescence. And I feel like it was a big, it was huge when it came out. Like that's all, or was it seventh and eighth grade? Now I'm questioning myself, but it doesn't matter. Like it was a huge thing. Were you a big fan when it came out? Not when it came out. I don't think I was allowed to watch it when it came out. Ah, uh, okay. Um, but so if we're talking seventh and eighth grade, I had all my coins in Wicked. Oh, you were you were a Wicked gal. Oh yeah, I loved Wicked. And then before that, I was a big Les Mis fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I liked the Disney musicals. Like I I really a lot of people think that The Lion King is hit or miss. I really enjoyed it. And I loved Beauty and the Beast. Best costumes I've ever seen on a stage. I, I feel the like... The plate was moving. I was young. I was young when I went to go see Beauty and the Beast. And I remember being young and being in the city and thinking it was the coolest thing in the world. I saw it twice. <laughs> uh, what other Disney musicals did I see? Oh, I, I saw... also saw Mamma Mia on, Broad- on Broadway. You saw Mamma Mia on Broadway? I did. I'm jealous. Because... When we were in high school, the thing to do was, like, don't have a sweet 16, but, like, take a bunch of your friends into the city to see a musical. So that's what we did. But you saw, you had a sweet 16. I, I was did. there. I wanted a party. I was there. Um, I saw Little Mermaid back in the day. I didn't get to see that. Um, I, so, I think it was my senior year. They, we did, like, a trip, like, an opt-in trip where, like, a bunch of girls from, like high school we all went to go do a broadway play and we did legally blonde that was good i didn't get to see that either you and i went to go see jersey boys oh i've seen jersey boys yes we did i've seen it four times we (laughs) i love that musical i've seen it twice we're from belleville we have to see multiple times it's kind of a requirement of being from belleville we haven't gone and seen a musical in a while we should go back uh, yes, we, we can. Is Broadway open yeah. again? Yeah, I was in Times Square this weekend. It's open, unfortunately. Oh. hate Times Square. I hate Times Square. <laughs> the worst. Yeah, I would, I would go see another musical. The, um, the hot play right now is Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. No, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> no Harry Potter. <laughs> no. You know what I, um, what was it? Oh my God. Is it come away? No. Um, no, it's uh, come from away, come far away. I know which one you're talking about. I want to see that. And you know what I haven't seen? What? Phantom of the Opera. Oh, I've never seen Phantom of the Opera either. And I've heard that like that is the best set design. So now I have to compare it with Beauty and the Beast. We're done with movies. We're only going to talk about musicals from this moment forward. Two two girls go to Broadway. New new podcast. No. Okay. <laughs> Her face lit up. But um, I am also forgetting to mention the most important musical I have ever seen, mm. ever, ever, was Young Frankenstein. Oh, I saw that, but I saw like a, um, not on Broadway or off Broadway. Um, when the fuck did I see it? My friend Nat was in it. He was fantastic. He was Frankenstein. The... The uh, the play that I saw was early, early on when it first opened because I loved the movie Young Frankenstein, so I got it as a as like a birthday or Christmas gift or something like that. Mm. 
the woman who plays Aunt Vula in my big fat Greek wedding played oh. Frau Blucar. Oh, that's fantastic. It was fantastic. It was uh, uh, speechless. Great. Uh, 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 speechless. Can't talk uh, about it. You know what else I saw that was really good? What? Avenue Q. Oh, really? And the Book of Mormon. And the I've, Book of Mormon's still on, I want to say. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's going anywhere. No. We can go see that. I'll see that again. <laughs> I've seen it twice. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I haven't been to a Broadway play in a minute. The last Broadway play I went to was... It was technically a Broadway play was Oh Hello back in 2017. I'm so mad. I'm so <laughs> angry that I missed it. I'm, I'm, I like, I don't think anybody understands and people are like, well, you know, I'm like, no, I fucking don't know. Okay. So shut up, Sharon or whatever your name is, Rebecca. You, you know what? Get in touch with us and we will talk about Oh Hello that is on Netflix because they have a, like a, they recorded a performance and it's on Netflix. Oh, I'm aware. I, I know you're aware and I'm aware. But we should make everyone else aware and let us know and we'll, t- we'll talk about it. Do you know what else I'm very much aware of? That John Mulaney's on tour right now? Well, I wasn't even thinking that. I was actually going to say that I'm very much aware that we've been talking for about 20 minutes and we haven't even <laughs> gone over the summary. Okay, so let's get into that. Also, okay. John Mulaney's on tour right now. Christina, summary. <laughs> the life of Jonathan Larson and his journey into becoming the new age of Broadway. We take a journey through his first musical, Suburbia, and all the pushback he dealt with from mentors, peers, and producers. So as I said, as I, we started off this episode with, this was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, our main character is the naturally talented playwright John Larson, who is working on his big break with his musical Superbia, which he's been writing for eight years. We are introduced to his group of friends, his tribe. Uh, his best friend since nine is Michael, played by Robin to Jesus, to Jesus, to Jesus. I don't know. Uh, Michael is a medi- mediocre actor, a- a mediocre actor <laughs> turned advertising executive. Uh, John's girlfriend is dancer Susan, played by Alexandra Ship, who is about to leave the city and move to the Berkshires. And I saw her face. And I'm like, where do I know her face from? Where do I know her face from? If anyone has watched the movie Love, Simon, she is in that. And that's where I know her from. Ah. Love the movie Love, Simon. Great movie. Uh, saw it on a plane the first time. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> John's two leads are Roger, played by Joshua Henry, and Caressa, played by Vanessa Hudgens. Love seeing Vanessa Hudgens in a musical again. <laughs> John's agent is Rosa, played by Judith Light. And the famous Steven Sodaheim makes a appearance, and he's played by Bradley Whitford. So there are a bunch of guest appearances in the scene at the Sunday at the Moon Dance Diner. Uh, lots of Broadway legends. Two that we know on this podcast are Renee Elise Goldsberry, play, who played Angelica in Hamilton. Also, Philip Sue, who played Eliza in Hamilton. Uh, there's Wilson Germain Haridia who played Angel in Rent, uh, B.B. Yes! Oh, my God! <laughs> yes, he was in that. Okay, cool, because I thought it was just me. Nope. Okay, I'm about to read more people, so get ready. B.B. Uh. Newworth is in that, who was in A Chorus Line, Sweet Charity, and she also played in your favorite TV show, Cheers. Do you What's know who I'm talking 
She played Lilith Sterning Crane on Cheers. Oh my God, Lilith. Yes, so she you, she was in that scene. Have you seen Cheers? Do you know who Lilith is? No, but I know that you know Cheers, so I figured I would throw this in here for you. I love Cheers. It's the only thing I like from Boston. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Also in that scene, Bernadette Peters, Felicia Rashad, and Cheetah Rivera are all in that scene. Everyone's in that scene. I was like, they're, they're paying. What about us? Why weren't we invited? I don't know. We're not Broadway legends, so we're not. <laughs> Yet. In... No, I'm not being a Broadway legend. You don't want to hear me sing. You could be in a play, Danielle. <laughs> you don't want to see me dance either. I got nothing. You don't have to dance in a play. I'm going to put on a one-woman show? Yeah, that's it. Okay. So, let's get into the climax. The whole play is a countdown to John's 30th birthday, and John feels he needs to finish and present his play before his birthday. He constantly says Sodaheim had his first play on Broadway at 27. It's like just running on the background, always in the background of his mind. Uh, We get to his workshop on Friday morning, which is two days before his birthday, and he has a decent turnout. The biggest surprise is the appearance of Steven Sodaheim, who he had met a few years previous and played the almost finished musical to him. Uh, Steven told him that what was missing was a song from the female lead in the second act to really tie it all together. At the workshop, Caressa sings the song that Jonathan, Jonathan had just written after an all-nighter right before the workshop. Um, and John is sitting in the room but he transcends above the room and he thinks only of Susan and it's like Susan is actually singing to him Uh, after the workshop he gets a call from his agent Rosa who says he did a great job but start writing the next one she also gives him a big piece of advice which is write what you know John had found out that Michael is HIV positive and the two had a falling out before he found out that information and um, the, they had a falling out about like where they're going in life. Then he found out that information and they make amends because both are afraid of what's to come. We see John then organizing a mosaic of thoughts that we have seen him jotting down in his notebook throughout the movie. Uh, just as he's organizing these thoughts, he gets a call from Steven Sodaheim. He wants to discuss the musical with John and he and give him his notes, and, but he says it was great. Just real quick, did you go over that Rosa is Judith Light? Yes, Rosa is Judith okay. Light. Okay, I couldn't remember if there, there were so many names. Sorry, I was throwing a lot at you. <laughs> so I, I picked this up where we find out that Jonathan went on to write Tick, Tick, Boom, and then ran after Superbia, um, a musical rent that survived on Broadway for 12 years, but he never got to see it. The night before or the day before its first public appearance, he died from a sudden aortic aneurysm when he was 35 years old. Louder Than Words plays from Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, it ends with a subtle transition to happy birthday, a flashback to the scene in the diner when it's been reserved for a private party, Jonathan's 30th birthday. His friend Michael asks him to make a wish. The camera cuts right before he's about to blow out the candles. The fun will never stop. The fun will never stop. 
So what did IMDb rate this? It was a 7.6 out of 10, and the Metacritic Metascore was a 74, and the user score was a 7.5. So Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this an 87%. Boo. The audience gave it a 96%. Yay. So I picked a review that's going to get on your nerves because I'm tired of being the only person who's aggravated. You know, I picked a good review, so hit it. I'm ready to get annoyed. Excellent. Four out of ten. Okay. Tick, 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 tick. That's the name of the review. Okay. Disappointing and overly sentimental. Tick, tick. I love your face. I love it already. So good. She just rolled her eyes at me and I only saw the white of her eyes. There's no such thing as being overly sentimental. Moving on. Tick, tick, boom showcases Andrew Garfield as legendary playwright Jonathan Larson, a film equivalent to what would have been a more compelling, much less tedious biography. Personally, I thought this film was a mess. I get what it's trying to do, balancing musical numbers, drama, and theater-type beats to make for something unique. I admire it for trying something new, but the format just doesn't work for the film. The first hour or so, the film is incredibly tedious. I had to start and stop a half a dozen times just to get through it. It's miserably derivative form of storytelling on film. All acting is either over the top or incredibly shallow. And the direction from the infamous composer and Broadway star Lin-Manuel Miranda just falls flat. I found the part where the actual play the story is about takes place, but it's hardly enough to make an impact to carry along the film. Everyone tries real hard and the visuals are nice. Some of the songs are admittedly catchy too, but it's just too slow and melodramatic for me to enjoy. I feel like I was watching a soap opera rather than a film about someone's life and felt that the story of a life of someone so creative should have been done in a more enjoyable way rather than throwing a bunch of tones and styles in a barrel, shaking them up and seeing what happens. In the end, I'm not going to remember this film in a week's time and am glad to be free from its sing-songy touch. It's not bad. It's not all bad, but it hardly deserves the praise it received and clearly overshadowed some of the much better films in this year's Oscar race. For My rating, 4.3 out of 10. That's what he said. See, I found myself while listening to that review doing a thing that I often do where I don't agree with a person, where instead of letting the information soak into me and really annoy me, I stopped listening. <laughs> like, Thank you. My, Thank, my you. Head Thank goes, you for telling me, and like I could have just cut the review in half. No, no, no. I, I appreciate you reading it because we do need to critique it, but that person is wrong. And they obviously don't like musicals. And they can blow it out their asses. Well, so here's the thing. They obviously don't like Jonathan Larson, right? Because if you like Rent, I do believe that you're going to like this movie. Because the Rent undertones are not subtle. No. They're there. Like, it's so clear in every in every song and the way that it goes about... Um, from talking to singing and then back and like that transition, like all of that is is Rent. Yeah, it's just it's actually less sing songy than Rent because yeah. Rent was a rock opera and this is technically a musical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, just describing this as melodramatic 
is so stupid compared to the power of the dog that we just watched. You want to talk about melodramatic? Talk about melodramatic, man. <laughs> Come on. Come on. And also, like, I just don't like when some, someone's like, oh, it's so sentimental. There, uh, yeah. But have you seen Rent? Because, like, they all die of AIDS, and it's very, very sad. There's no such thing as being too sentimental. I have to assume that this person doesn't like Rent. I, I, I'm, I know I keep circling back to that, but, like, how could you... I, I, huh? Just stop. To this person, I would just say stop fighting it. Put down your walls and just go along for the ride. This person I, is trying to fight the current, and they should just go along with it. Well, but so I kind of just wish that this person would say rent isn't my bag and that's why I don't like it because then it would make total sense. But they're like picking this apart and they're like <laughs> avoiding the elephant in the room. I don't think this person realizes that this is a musical that he wrote because they're making it seem like yes. a biopic would have been better, but it's not a biopic. It's a musical that a person wrote about himself. It's more of an autobiographical musical. Right, but since it's a movie, I think it might be technically considered a biopic. I think it toes the line of both. It's got one foot on one line, one foot on the other. Well, as we know on IMDb, they'll give it 10 genres. Of course. They use them like hashtags. Ugh, okay, can I, can I read my review? Can, we pick, can I pick us back up? Go for it. Okay. Thank you for annoying me, but I appreciate it. Poke the bear anytime. You know that I'm here to be poked. Oh, do you know what I said the other day? I said, poke the bear's nest. <laughs> mm. What is the bear's nest? Well, it's poke the bee's nest I or poke know. the bear, and I just, you, now the bear has a nest. See, here's the difference between you and I. Me, I just drown it out, so I don't get annoyed. You just, you, you, you lean into the annoyance. Oh, I'm like a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go for it. So, uh, this is a five-star review. Before the movie, ugh, another musical. After the movie, do I like musicals now? <laughs> <laughs> if only it was that easy. If only it was that easy. Tick, Tick, Boom, starring Andrew Garfield, did what I always thought was possible. It indulged me in a story and had me interested in what the characters were going Okay, that person didn't finish their sentence. My main gripe with musical... <laughs> they were just so excited they didn't even finish their thought. No, they didn't. My main gripe with musicals is that I, it can't, I can't be interested in them because of how crazy they are. But this movie, as I stated before, indulge me. Andrew Garfield needs to win this Oscar. I don't care. He does. Okay. Okay. So. Go ahead. Highs. I'm going to tell I you right now, I don't have any lows. Uh, I don't remember. I'm. I, hold on. I'm, I'm in between pages. My notes for this are like three pages long. So, um, I'll start off with the highs, which is something that we already talked about. I agree that I described it as rent Easter eggs throughout this movie. The influence mm. is definitely rent. Obviously, because the same person wrote both. Well, if anything, rent. 
Ren influenced Ren, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Exactly, like same same person composing them. You can you can tell, um, but the little Easter eggs of Rent in this, I love. For example, the answering machine that Jonathan has just says <gasps> "speak," yes, which is yes! from Rent. Forty-two. <laughs> Fuck yes. Yes. Immediately, as soon as I heard his answer machine, I'm like, oh, okay, there it is. And then, of course, like, um, in Rent, the one character, I just watched it today, and I completely, the guy who who Tay Diggs plays, he, like, was, once lived there, and then he moved out, and now he he drives a Range Rover, and he lives, like, outside of this area, very similar to what Michael was going through, where he used to live there, and now he hightailed it and with the doorman and like the corner on Park Avenue and all this other crap. So very similar to Rent. Um, I also agree with my review that this movie is indulgent and it is infectious. Like, I don't know what your reviewer was talking about because I got pulled in immediately, almost immediately. I did as well. So I heard him introduce himself and I thought to myself, Oh, I just love him. And then I heard the first song, and I honestly thought to myself, oh, oh, this is the Oscar. This is it. I was less than five minutes into this film, and I've never, I've never felt that happen to me so fast before. Maybe less than, maybe less than two minutes into this film, and I was like, oh, this is the Oscar. Oh, he's going to win. Like, what a naturally charismatic person who just is so happy, can make up a song about sugar just on the drop. Fantastic. Truly talented. Truly talented. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, but also, have you looked at photos of Jonathan Larson? They look, yes. They did an amazing did job with job. the casting and the makeup here. Did you know Andrew I mean, Garfield? even Soundheim. Yeah, yeah. They did do a great job. Um, did you know that Andrew Garfield could sing? Because I didn't know that. I didn't. And also, his accent is gone. Yeah. I forgot. You know what? Now that you're saying it, totally forgot he was British. It's like when Mindy Kaling introduced Kate Winslet. Do you remember that? She was like, there are just some things in this world that, like, you no longer believe. Like, Kate Winslet being British. (laughs) Especially after doing Mayor of Easttown. Oh God! Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I I do want to say one more thing. Like the people dying in this movie, we don't really have a connection with them, right? No, we don't. We don't really get the chance to develop a connection with them, and we don't get the chance to want to love them. But I did it anyway. And when the the uh, I forget the kid's name Freddie. that had AIDS and he came out and he was better. Um, I, I like cried throughout this entire movie. And then I cried for another 20 minutes when I was done watching it. Well, I think the biggest, what I was talking to you about previous, when I saw your Instagram story was the scene where you're watching Jonathan sing about Michael thinking that Michael is going to die. And I'm watching it being like, Oh no! Are they killing Michael? They're killing Michael right now. Michael's gonna kill right before the be killed right before the workshop. What's happening right now? Why is this happening? And that's oh, yeah. what I thought you were getting emotional about. No, I was just in awe in general. I really enjoyed this film. I agree. I agree. I mean, if I like, it's not that 
big of a low, but I thought there were a few lines from Susan that fell a little flat, like could have had a little more emotion behind it. But that's really the only low I have. Oh, and another high. Did you know that Richard Kind was in this? Is he, he played the, um, the The other. Opposite of Soundheim. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. It doesn't sound like him. He changed his voice. He changed his appearance totally. But I can recognize Richard Kind's cadence and mannerisms anywhere, anytime. Yeah. Okay. When he was a grasshopper, when he was on the goal, like I just think he's so funny. And so I just, I mean, it was such a teeny tiny role, but I just thought it was really great. Um, I think his mannerisms are so great and so clearly recognizable that it doesn't matter what he's doing. I just I'm like, oh, it's Richard Kind. I had one more high, which is I personally love anything that talks about Manhattan that is not in current day, like listening to old Jim Croce songs, watching like anything said in Manhattan in like the 70s, 80s, 90s, 90s, love it. I think that the outfits, the hair, the makeup, and the set de- design were absolutely perfect. They Let, were. You're let, right. Let's talk about the outfits and hair specifically. Because at this, it's 1990. So you are just coming out of the 80s and going into the 90s. It's not true 90s. We're not in deep grunge 90s. It still has the 80s flair to it. Like Susan's big curly hair. Like Caressa's like scoop. Like tight shirts with the scoop neck backs. Yeah. With her, like, her high-waisted mom jeans with uh, big boots on them and big belts. It still has very much 80s styling, but you can tell that the 90s are about to happen. So whoever did the costumes for this movie, incredible. Beautiful. I'd wear every single outfit. That's they really, I, I mean, like, that was one of the, when I was looking at the pictures for comparisons, I was looking at Andrew Garfield's hair. Yeah. And how they just nailed it. They really nailed it. Also, just his outfits, too, where he has, like, big, chunky sweaters. He mm. has, like, button-ups, um, like, like one, like, purple button-up specifically, I remember thinking, like, oh, that's perfectly, like, 80s meets 90s. I thought that his Converse, I thought all of it was great. His yeah. leather, like, bomber jacket that he has that's a little bit torn up. Mm-hmm. Loved it. I've also been just looking at a lot of, like, 90s inspiration pictures, mostly from... Carolyn Bassett Kennedy, who was married to John Jr., but that was like in that was peak nineties, not so much nineties going into eighties. But I think that they did great. Who it doesn't matter. I think they did a great job with costumes. I'm also just like this movie sealed the deal. I'm in love with Andrew Garfield. I just think he's fantastic. See, I don't think I've seen anything else with Andrew Garfield. Well, uh, Spider-Man, right? But, like, I would hear his name dropped here and there, but I never really... I was like, all right, well, if it's on, I'll take a look at it. But he, um, he's been in a... F- like, I think he's been active since, like, 2005. Yeah. He's, like, almost 10 years older than us. Oh, the, okay. Um, so I never saw Spider-Man that he was in because I was a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man loyalist. Okay. Obviously, the the thing that stands out in my mind, I'm sorry, is Social Network. He played Eduardo Saverin. Yeah, for, totally forgot about that. Oh, 
My God. Totally forgot about that. I did not put that together. Nope. This realization that I am having right now is when you realize that's your barrister. Barristan, whatever the fuck his name is, was in, in Dairy Girls. Girls. That's the level of surprise I'm at right now. It looks like wow. he was in Doctor Who, too. So, anyway, I heard his name. I was like, all right, this sealed the deal. Absolutely in love with him. Think he's fantastic. So, I agree. Andrew, Andrew Garfield, if you ever stumble upon our podcast, we're, we're big fans now. Big, big fans of you. Huge fans. I need to go watch your Spider-Mans now. I'm sorry that I uh, I your never watched them. Spider-Mans. <laughs> your Spider-Mans. I'm I'm sorry I never watched them. I was a Tobey Maguire. Um, oh my God, James Franco loyalist. But and I've seen the Tom Holland ones, so now I need to watch yours. You gotta you gotta broaden your horizons. I do. Snack, Snack break. break. So what did you eat while you were watching this? All right. So um, I'm going to tell you something that I wanted to eat because I just had a beet salad. So that's not fun. That sounds like so much fun. I freaking love beets. I, okay, forget it then. I love beets so much. Beets are so underrated. Don't like to eat beets. Like I will just, huh? I'm hungry. What? There's a can in there? Yeah. Like I'll just. Right from the can, love beets. Now, how do you buy your beets? Because I once tried to buy raw beets, and I think tried to pickle them myself, and then I completely dyed my hands with the beets. No, I don't. I don't. I don't buy them pickled. I just buy them in a can with like either no salt or low sodium, because I will actually add in. A little bit of oil, vinegar, salt, garlic powder, and basil. Ah, okay. That's what I did. So, I my across the street neighbor, who is was born in Italy, like she is from the country of Italy, and then she came here when she was younger. Uh, she once gave us pickled beets. And I swear to you, it was the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. Because I don't like when the beets get too mushy. I like them to have a little crunch Mm. to them. These Mm -hmm. were perfectly crunchy. The brine was fantastic. Oh, God, it was so good. Um, And I still love beets. Uh, When I go to Sweet Green, which is... Have you ever had Sweet Green salads? Yes. Okay. I always get beets. They have a beet option to put in your salad. Ah, okay. So okay, okay. I'll always go beets. But they're not like cured beets at all. They're just like raw beets. I don't know if I've ever had raw beets. They're they're not bad. It basically tastes like a carrot. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. But love beets. Beets are fantastic. So what did you have? <laughs> not beets. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I had popcorn, I had wine, and then I also, I was craving some chocolate, so I got almond butter cups, but they were keto and vegan, and they were okay. They were a little bland in the chocolate, like the chocolate did not have any sugar in it, which, but also the chocolate wasn't... I'm fine with chocolate, like chocolate not having like a high sugar, but the mm. chocolate wasn't rich. 
Like it was, I don't know. It just it they were not good. It was a it was a it was a flop basically. Well, I'm I'm sorry. I know wasted wasted. It's it is that's a wa- sounds like a waste. Yeah, but hey, you live, you learn. You live, you learn. So, uh, what was your expectation? So, <laughs> I said this weekend. Oh, it's about Andrew Lloyd Webber, isn't it? Oh gosh, wrongo. Um, <laughs> Not about Andrew. I can't. But I do. (laughs) You were sadly mistaken. Boy, was I wrong. Um, I remember seeing this trailer when it first came out, and I feel like I sent it to you because I feel like it came out right around the same time as the House of Gucci trailer. Like, all these movies were coming out right around the same time. Okay. And I, where I've, I mean, I've never seen House of Gucci. We talked about this. I don't think it's very good. This made it look really, really good. And I'm like, ooh, I hope this is good. And I hope I'm not disappointed. This lived up to the hype that the trailer gave. Because I thought that this was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. Like, Jonathan is such a lovable character. I loved all of it. Oh, I forgot to mention this in the highs. I loved when it would cut out and it would go to like it was being recorded on a camera because that also reminded me of rent especially the movie where uh mark anthony rapp would be recording on his camera and then you'd cut to like the characters being recorded so Mm -hmm. love that little rent easter egg as well so i really enjoyed this I didn't think it was gonna (laughs) this is what i wrote i don't think i expected it to be as (laughs) renty So I didn't, I, so I, um, I had only known Rent from Jonathan Larson, but I didn't know that this was like his style. I just thought this was something that he created and like, cause you have some creators who create things that are vastly different, right? Like Kanye West is the first person that comes to my mind. So, all right, just uh. hang on, hang on. Cause we could also throw in Panic at the Disco. Are we we're talking about people who create something vastly different? Yeah. Taylor Swift. Okay, but that was more of a transition. Just throwing that out there. It was a transition out of country and into pop. And then but, into folk. She's done a lot. And folk, that's right. G- give like, the girl credit. <laughs> when Panic at the Disco would come out with a new album, every time I'd be like, who the hell is this? I never knew. Because they would, they like constantly. So my point here is that you have people who do things with um, not so much a smooth transition. They just, they just do new things. They're just like, this is a new thing that I'm going to do. This is totally different. This is totally different. So I just kind of assumed that that would be a thing. Yeah. Um, and I was wrong, but I'm okay with being wrong. I mean, to be fair, Jonathan Larson wrote two plays. If like, well, technically three, three. I mean, I think that they should make Superbia a play because. Oh, that was way ahead of its time. When they were explaining it, I'm like, did Jonathan Larson ex- like predict social media culture? Did well, he predict I think, it? I think it was based on. Um, 1984. 1989. Is it not no. 19? Is it 84? 
No, I think it was based on the book 1984. And then I don't, I looked into it a little bit. I think it's based on 1984 and he wanted to have it out in 1984 and he started writing it in 1983 okay and uh he couldn't get the rights to it Hmm. so then he had to like create his own adaptation to avoid copyright infringement gotcha um so i think that's where the idea came from gotcha but i mean if he if that musical i'm sorry rock opera was put on today it would a sell out and b such a commentary on our current social climate. Oh yeah, actually, I don't know if Superbia would be a rock opera. I have to imagine that it would if it's the same kind of music, but it depends on how much singing is done over talking. That's mm. how it's determined. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because what is uh, Les Mis is technically a what? Isn't Les Mis technically an operetta? That's the word I'm looking for. It might be. Where there's no spoken word, it's all sung. But I think, is it? I feel like there are spoken words. I think it's all um, song. I feel like I feel like it might be an opera. I don't think it's considered an opera. Now, now all I'm thinking, now all I have in my head is I dreamed a dream. The worst. Oh, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> um... I have master of the house in my head and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I love that Sasha Baron Cohen saying that in the movie. Mm-hmm. So can I go into my IRL moment? Absolutely. All right. So listen, I'm going to make this quick because I want to eat. Okay. They play Love Shack in this movie. When did they play Love Shack? Oh, at the party. Um, at the party. Yeah, at the party. Right. So um, there are like, there could be so many um, IRL moments, but I have a tender, loving relationship with the song Love Shack. And it didn't always start out that way because when I was a freshman in college, we were supposed to have a karaoke night. And I was like, oh, yes, this is my song. I sing the guy part. I have to find somebody else to sing the other part. Recruited people, ready to go. And um, I was in the library, it was finals week and I was studying. But right before I went into the library, I was singing Love Shack on my computer. And unbeknownst to me, I didn't close out of the window. So in a very quiet library, I kick off my flip-flops, I sit back, and I'm about to study, cram in a session before a karaoke night and blaring through my laptop at level 100 volume is Love Shack. And everybody in the library hears Love Shack. And people are turning around on their computers like, what is going on? And I've always been a very nervous person. So I'm shaking (laughs) from head to toe, fumbling to shut the laptop. But here's the thing about PCs back when we were in college. When you shut them, the sound doesn't always stop. (laughs) So now my laptop is closed and it's still blaring Love Shack. (laughs) And I'm still in a panic. So I run out of the library with my laptop and I forgot to put my shoes on. So now I'm barefoot in the middle of my campus outside, 
trying to shut <laughs> off my laptop. And like all of my friends are in the library and they're all just very confused by this display. And so I walk back inside and I'm like, just want to say everything's fine. <laughs> NBD. NBD, guys. I've and all my friends are like, what? They're all whispering, but they want to yell at me at the same time. They're like, what actually happened? <laughs> and so that is my awakening moment with the song Love Shack. I have never heard that story before, but that oh, no? is absolutely oh, hysterical. That's absolutely hysterical. <laughs> and I can imagine it. I, I can see it happening in my head. Listen, I reserve these IRL moments to get vulnerable with you and our friends. So that's I, why. I also love yeah. that you took your shoes off because that is um, like I that is something I do as well. Like my mom reminds me that when I was a little kid, I got yelled at by my preschool teacher for taking my shoes off because I'd take my shoes off and then all the other kids would take their shoes off. But even at like the Mount, like one person would take their shoes off and then everyone took their shoes off. Here's the thing. I never take off my shoes. That was the one time. And now <laughs> it will never happen again. <laughs> In case you have to run out of a place. Because my computer won't stop singing. Yes. <laughs> Love Shack specifically. Also, if Love Shack does not play at your wedding, I'm leaving. Oh, it's on the dance list. Okay. If your DJ does not play Love Shack, I will go up to him and threaten him. I will threaten him. I may tell him to put on repeat. <laughs> you will not get paid until you play Love Shack. Oh, wait, that's another one. That's another one. This song has haunted me yet again. The first half marathon I ran, I couldn't get any of my Amazon Prime music. And Dave and I just started dating. And I was like, how am I going to run 13 miles without music? So he gave me his Spotify account. And he was like, make a playlist and download the song. So I made a playlist, download the songs. The only song that successfully downloaded was Love Shack. So for eight miles eight miles it was the only song i could listen to and and you still like the song i was i was laughing as i was running for that's, eight miles that's so funny like that, what else could i do how many times does that play in eight miles that has to play for a while well yeah because mm -hmm. it's a long song is it, it not yeah but it, it's a long eight miles too that's true um, the only IRL moment, which I guess you can go into too, is that we both just turned 30. So mm -hmm. we are currently in our boom phase. And you know what? There was some ticking, but is it really that bad? Is the boom phase really that bad? No, I feel like if anything, it's like boom, we're, we're exploding and we're like expanding as people and we're like blossoming. So. Exactly. The boom, the boom phase sounds like it's going to be a bad thing, but the boom phase is actually fantastic. Should be called the bloom phase because we're in a new season of our lives. That's it. I like that. <laughs> sorry the for being... phase. Tick, tick, bloom. I'm so sorry for being overly sentimental and being melodramatic. Oh, how dare you? I will be dramatic until the day I die. And I, my death better be dramatic or I'm not dying. Oh my God. <laughs> this is, this is, you're going to have a conversation with the Lord. This is how I go. Oh, I'm not going. Oh, this no. is not enough. I'm going to turn, I'm going to be walking towards the light and I'm like, nope, turn around. 
turn around. Make it rain or something. It needs to be more. <laughs> Give me drama. Give me drama. <laughs> the uh. most ridiculous thing. <laughs> All right. Okay, we've gone on for far too long. <laughs> we've been at this far too long. This is what happens when we talk about musicals. We go on for like an hour. It's, it's true. We, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Anyway, we're on Instagram and Twitter at uh, Hey It's Two Girls. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Classicstina. Danielle's on Instagram at Danielle Kobianki. Send us an email, twogirlswatchtv at gmail.com. Two is spelled out T-W-L. The blog is Beer Coffee Donuts. The YouTube channel is Two Girls Drink Beer. And... Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, everyone. You enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll catch you next Friday. Take, take, boom. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.